Hi, this is Bob Smith. You might remember me from my years at Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine. Well, now I've started a brand new podcast called The Outdated Wrestling Hour. Yes, we're going to take a whimsical look back at the wrestling figures, stars, and trends from years gone by. We're talking 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and a whole lot more. There's going to be laughs. There's going to be fun. There's going to be action. You name it. Please tune in for The Outdated Wrestling Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Wrestling fans, promoters, wrestlers, and anyone who enjoys pro wrestling now have something new to be excited about. The Wrestling Fans International Association, the WFIA, is back. WFIA is an association that exists to promote, grow, and support professional wrestling throughout the world. Membership is free. Your membership includes a free digital bi-monthly publication of the Wrestling Fan News newsletter, association updates, voting privileges, and much more. Please go to thewfia.org, that's T-H-E-W-F-I-A.org, and become a member today. Hey, this is the one-man goldmine, the one-man enterprise of professional wrestling and all entertainment, Flynn Hendricks. And you better believe when I'm looking for a good podcast to listen to, I go to my own. I go to the I Know You Hear Me podcast hosted by me, Flynn Hendricks. That is such a fresh perspective for how you should look at life, too. Like, I just, I love that. And then when I'm feeling spooky, I go to my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt, where myself, yeah. I want my head shoved inside a 15-pound silicone mask more. You know, <laughs> I want to have a bucket of sweat coming off me at the end of the night. And just Jeff. Dogs don't like eggs, Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. Talk to other scare actors about what it takes to get into the world of scare acting. So if you're curious about how people became professional wrestlers, actors, prioritized their mental health, became entrepreneurs, avoided burnout, or got into scare acting, you need to go check out I Know You Hear Me and Tales from the Haunt, available on all podcasting platforms. And I know you hear me. Available on all streaming platforms. It's professional wrestling's greatest, largest, privately owned wrestling library. All the classic hits, flips, slams, and pins of yesteryear are on one place. It's Ultimate Classic Wrestling. Check out the Nature Boy Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Mr. USA Tony Atlas, Tito Santana, Rick Martel, a who's who of professional wrestling's greatest spotlight stars ever to grace the squared circle all in one place. Grab the best seat in the house for memories and mayhem on Ultimate Classic Wrestling. Thank you, everybody, for joining into the PWZ podcast. I want to welcome to the show Mario Savoldi and Brian Webster. How are you, gentlemen? Hey, guys. Good. How about Doing you? great. Doing great. Hey. Thank you very much for having us, Rick. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a very long time, and I'm very happy that you guys are be, uh, here to, to join in. So Glad to be here. Thank you for yeah. having me. So you guys just um, launched the Ultimate Wrestling Classics Roku app, Roku for and Fire Stick, and... Uh, what made you guys decide to do over, uh, to go towards that direction? And and you, I know you guys have thousands upon thousands of uh, 
historic matches and, and stuff going dating from various different promotions something i've been watching for many years uh made you guys decide to go in this direction well we we had the opportunity uh to join several different networks uh and uh our our chief and staff of our production daniel uh he kind of convinced me this was the right way to go and that we have the opportunity to get more hours out there. And that's, I mean, there's close to 5,000 hours, I think. Wow. And, uh, and we're adding constantly. Uh, we're, we're making uh, joint ventures with different, different groups. And so uh, it was the right way for us to go. Yeah. I see that you guys have, you know, you guys own footage from various different promotions on, as well as, you, you know, your own ICW. You guys have some um, global and, and uh, the NAWA and South Atlantic and, and such. And um, there's just some amazing legends that take part in a lot of the, that, uh, that footage there that end up uh, on that network. Oh, we just about got, we've got everyone and then we could say we have Bruno. I mean, um, <laughs> When when we started the uh, and Brian correct me if I'm wrong with the names uh, when when we started the uh, the wrestling organization it was called International Wrestling right. and it was uh, a group of us with uh, some kind of guys I don't want to mention <laughs> okay <laughs> who uh, who backed us and. Uh, uh, we started in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Actually, we were three blocks away from the Allentown uh, arena uh, where WWE was right. uh, was was running. Uh, you know, there was a lot of hearsay about what happened there. Uh, everything was done in, in the right way. Uh, my dad had retired. Someone said he got fired. My dad had retired about six months before we even decided to do this. Uh, and uh, I had been dealing and talking with Bruno. And uh, it was uh, Bruno, Mike Mittman, mm -hmm. and uh, some fellows from Atlantic City. And uh, they had uh, said they would invest and in, in, starting a new wrestling organization in which we did and uh we have the original tapes i still do have those original tapes there's like 12 of them i think and that's what bruno doing the the um the uh commentating with mike mitman right. and uh we haven't aired those yet i think we aired one episode from from that um and then from there, uh, a few things happened and uh, the people from Atlantic City could no longer uh, invest in our, due to their circumstances, could no longer invest into our television production. And if anybody's been in television production, when you're starting something like something this big, it takes a lot of money. And... Uh, we had to uh it was it was at that time that uh my dad got involved and uh, he made uh calls to two of his close friends and uh, 
that's how we got involved in the ICW. Uh, we got involved with uh, the Poffos, who uh, most people don't know, but my dad was Randy Savage's godfather. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then we also got in, involved with Canada. And uh, at that point, we formed the ICW. And uh, we were taking footage from them to help us get started. They were taking footage from us. And, and uh, we landed a station. And what, what town was that in Mass? Uh, so that was, at the time, it was called, uh, I think it was W-E-N-E. It was Channel 25. Okay. And, and they, they decided to take us on and not only take us on, uh, we did our, but is it Matuan or Matuchin? Uh, Matuan, yeah. Matuan Mass. We did yeah. our very first uh, live tele telecast, and uh, that was the start of it. Uh, I know this is probably a tricky question, but do you remember who was on this particular broadcast? The very I know it was first so long one. ago, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, uh, at that point. Again, we combined with. Uh, Oh, why can't I think of his name in Canada? I'm trying to think of who was out there. The Tunnies and... Uh, the, 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 Brian, the person we dealt with in, in Canada, the promoter, the oh. wrestler. So so I, so I the two that come to mind are, are Giant Gustav and Sky Low Low. Okay. And uh, uh, there were the Vashans, of course. They they promoted and they 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 came in and they brought a lot of talent with them down from Angelo Mosca. Angelo Mosca. <laughs> there you Angelo go. Mosca. Okay. We got involved with Angelo Mosca, <laughs> and um, the very first show that we did in Methuen was with uh, Carlos Colon, mm -hmm. uh, my my brother uh, Joe. They were all in Puerto Rico. King Tonga, the Bushwhackers. Uh, they weren't the Bushwhackers then. They were the, um, the sheep herders at the sheep time. Sheep herders. Yep. And we uh, we took in uh, the crew from Canada and and uh, and Puerto Rico. And that was our first show in Methuen, Mass. You guys had a long history or a pretty good history with um, uh, Puerto Rico and the WWC and Carlos Colon and. Um, a lot of guys went down there, and you guys would bring a lot of people in as well. Yeah, yeah, we, we were sending people there. Uh, uh, but at the same time, we, we, we still had our relationship with, with Vince McMahon. I mean, that was never broken. Uh, you know, most people say, you know, like, uh, you take the EC, what was that, uh, ECP? ECW or no, uh, ECW. Yep. And why didn't we go in a route, a different route? We we were dealing with uh, with Vince McMahon when we needed talent. When we went overseas, we did the first Saudi Arabia trip that anybody went on, and we went on. We when we had we had Blackjack Mulligan, uh, we, we had Ivan Putsky. Uh, when we did um, uh, Australia, when we did Sydney, Australia, we did Bruno, we did, uh, I mean, we had the talent 
we were Vince was still giving us talent, and we just stayed in our own little area. I mean, we didn't try to to hurt his or or could we hurt him? But uh, in Portland, he would notify us when they were coming into the Portland Civic Center, so we wouldn't run the Expo Building. So we had a great working relationship there, and we wanted to just stay in our own lane. At one time, we had close to 70% of the United States with television. Yeah, I remember as a kid getting you guys on um, Sports Channel America up here. And I used to get you guys on, uh, even later, get on the syndicated local television as well. Yeah, well, Sports Channel America came to us from Vince. Okay. From the father. The, the father turned it down and gave him our number. And that's how, that's how we got it. Yeah. Uh, I always thought it was amazing because at that time I was still relatively young. And I would see guys that I necessarily did not see any longer on WWF TV, such as Tony Atlas and, and, and guys like that, and the Putskis and stuff like that. No, I was just going to say, was, uh, for me, it, was always, uh, it amazes me because it was originally recorded that had a national audience. And right. at the time, it was virtually up right. sports channel. Yep, I, I initially, well, I don't think I initially saw it on Sports Channel. I just remember, now I've told this story uh, many times on this podcast. The first time I ever discovered ICW was at my grandmother's house on a Sunday morning, probably early, well, not mid to later 80s. And I just remember it was not like anything else I had seen on television before. And I immediately became obsessed with trying to find this. They had a different cable system than we did because they lived like four towns over. The 80s was quite different. So it wasn't just like everybody didn't have like Comcast or whatever. So um, I just remember becoming literally just like I had no idea how to find it. And I didn't find it until make sure, you know, however, like a year or so later on my cable system, we had cable vision where I lived. And uh, um, I just thought it was amazing because it was somewhat different than everything else I was watching on television at the time, such as WWF, the NWA, AWA, world class and stuff like that. I remember watching it. At, it used to be on Saturday nights at eleven o'clock on Channel Twenty Five out of Boston. I, I was I was just a kid, and I can remember seeing guys like Doctor D, David Schultz, and uh, you know Mario interviewing Doctor D, David Schultz, and that whole thing where you know Doctor D had just beat the guy up on on Twenty Twenty. John Stossel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, please don't hit Mario because you know th yeah. these these guys become your your pals when you're watching them on TV. You know, and I and I said to myself, someday I'm going to work there, and I did. <laughs> so, a lot of a lot of good memories from from watching the TV. Uh, like you said, Rick, a, a lot of it was stuff that you couldn't see anywhere else. It it just it had a very different feel and a different flavor. Uh, it just came along, I think, at the right time. It was and that pure and, rest you know yeah exactly and through the different area eras there was different um different talent that would come in inter international talent i guess you could say you know you guys had like onita came in at one point uh you know guys like from puerto rico and stuff like that and so it was, it was quite amazing actually it was, it was quite amazing watch to, to exposure for them and someone like myself or yourself that um exposure like to different kinds of wrestling right exactly very very unique yeah. And now we get to watch it um, 
on on Roku on Ultimate Classic Wrestling. Uh, yes. Yeah, and we uh, uh, we we're, we're proud to announce that uh, very shortly you're going to hear the voice of Mean Gene Oakland on our on our broadcast. That's awesome. What was yep. he a part of? That uh, what was he on? Pardon me. Oh, what was what broadcast was he a part of that uh, that you're going to have? Or uh, is classic, it from the AW? Classic. Okay. Classic wrestling. Yep. Yeah. And um, I had subscribed to the app as soon as you guys put it up there, like probably the day of. And I sat there and I've been sitting there every time there's the new stuff that drops. I sit there for like a whole day. <laughs> you know, you could really get lost. I, I do the same thing. You could really get get lost. In <laughs> and just all those memories come I'm flowing back in. One of the things I really enjoy about it is you're not just watching matches, but you're watching, you could watch whole episodes and you can watch angles unfold. And then, yeah. you know, there are also, uh, there are also uh, live events that were recorded that you could watch the live event from start to finish and just so much content. And, you know, for, for six ninety nine a month, I mean, you're, you're watching endless ad free, wrestling uh the way in my opinion the way wrestling really should be i agree with that because i am very traditional when it comes to the style of professional wrestling that i, that I prefer i still watch wrestling today it's just i can be very critical about the modern yeah. product yeah, uh, I, I, do keep up, I can't watch it yeah that, that's I understandable uh that's why i keep up mostly with like the independents that are in my area in Connecticut because it's a little bit uh, more interesting than watching like a Monday night or Friday night, etc. We yeah. work with a few independents around here. We work with uh, Tommy Ferraro. I don't yeah, know I know Tommy. Know, you know Tommy. Yeah. We work with Tommy and uh, one of my greatest friends, Gino Caruso. Uh, we, we, we work with him and uh, they just put on great shows. I mean, you yeah. go there and you're seeing like it used to be. I mean, those guys work. I mean, you watch a match today. If you watch the first 10 minutes of the first match, you've seen the last 10 minutes of the last match. Right. They are identical. Yep. I mean, in 30 seconds, they've done 22 holes. You know, yeah. it's, you know, uh, and, and fortunately for me, uh, was the relationships that that i've met i mean i traveled for five years with andre and him and i became best of friends uh but just that my dad's relationships in this business i mean going back to in the in the 40s and 50s i mean he wrestled in tulsa i mean he was champion there for years and Meeting uh, through him, we met Danny Hodge, and and all we got people involved with us that you know, like other people couldn't get to. I mean, like people, like you couldn't call Vern Gagne and get talent because Vern didn't want to bother with Vince. Right. But my dad could call Vern Gagne and get talent. I mean, Vern came in here for months and did whole big things with us here. Uh, Bill Watts. Uh, I mean, Florida, uh, the, the Grams and everything. I mean, they <laughs> just all goes were, on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I mean, we, really. we probably got footage from every organization and their talent and they're not just, you know, like 
they didn't just send us mediocre talent. I mean, they sent us their talent. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, that's one of the things I want to get to is that you guys had Ric Flair on a, a defend his belt at one point or, or a couple points, actually, against once against uh, David Schultz and once against Randy Rose on your shows. Uh, how did that all come about? Well, uh, you know, in New Jersey, you could not operate a professional wrestling show unless you had a wrestling license. And there was only three of them. One belonged to a fellow by the name of Willie Gilsenberg, who grandfathered that over to the WWF at the time. Grilla Monsoon, who is a very, very close friend of my family's, and my dad. And when uh, the group got together, well, we dealt, we dealt a lot with Carlos Colon. And uh, when Carlos approached us saying that uh, uh, Jim Crockett, Bill Watts, Vern Gagne all wanted to come in to the Meadowlands. And, but they couldn't get a license. The, the state refused them a license. They said there was only four allowed. They weren't allowing any more, no exceptions. And um, that was a lot of politics there. Mm -hmm. uh, they sat down with us. We made a deal and we ran the first three, uh, I believe it was USA, it was called. Yeah, USA, wrestling USA. Wrestling yeah. In, in the Meadowlands. Those were, those were my shows. My, well, my dad shows. Okay. We ran those shows. They were ours. And from that, we took that, we went over to Roosevelt Raceway and we ran Ric Flair against Dory Funk at Roosevelt Raceway. And then we did a few towns in uh, Massachusetts. I think Warwick was one with Ric Flair. And, uh, yeah, we had Rick quite a few times. Then later, I bought into uh, the uh, IWWA in Puerto Rico. And uh, along with Savio Vega and, and uh, Miguel Perez, and Victor Quinones and I were very, very close friends. And uh, he invited me to Puerto Rico and we start working together with, with Puerto Rico. And we took in Flair's son. And the deal there was that Rick was going to come in and, and do a thing if we would take his son. And that's where he really started. Those were really his very first matches. Uh, we never got to the point of Rick coming in. His son just didn't like Puerto Rico and was not good for him, and he moved on. Uh, he was a great kid. Um, it was such a great loss to the family. I mean, the kid was just a really nice kid. Yeah. And uh, it was it's, it saddens the business to see somebody with that talent being lost so early, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember when that happened. It was very, very sad. And yeah, seen videos of him like recently at flare matches and it's just him, just the emotion there, you know, it's kind of emotional. So, um, I do want to ask you about certain announcements. You guys had Gordon Soli and Luthez commentate for you at different points. That's right. And how, how did people, that come about? People could say that. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of amazing right there. I mean, yeah. Gordon Soli is the best to ever do it. Personal ever, opinion. Ever. No ever. offense, Brian. 
None taken, believe me. <laughs> so I, I find that uh, that's just amazing. Luthez, of course, is probably the greatest uh, world champion to ever exist, in my personal opinion. Uh, yeah. Um, so you guys have had, uh, let's see, I'm sorry, guys. Um, you guys also did lots of shows with the AWA, one actually here in East Lyme, Connecticut as well. I, uh, right. I see that yep. you guys are uploading it. Uh, it's coming soon to the network. And that one I'm really looking forward to because anything that happens in Connecticut, the history, I'm kind of a New England history buff when it comes to professional wrestling. So I'm really looking forward to that because I was kind of unaware of that show. Yeah, that was the, the, that was a great show. Sold out. People standing outside. We you you couldn't get in. Uh, it was a great show, and uh, we did uh, for several months. Uh, we were back and forth with with Vern, and and uh, again, once we got going, we, you know, we 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 ran the talent through. We shot the angles. We finished the program and then we would wait several months and then we had some of the guys come back and, you know, and refresh a program or go on. And, you know, like, I mean, uh, uh, another great bunch of guys we had were the Samoans. I mean, Sika and Alpha, forget it. I mean, they were like, uh, you know, Peter, my V, uh, uh, all of all them guys, man, they they were just superstars. I've had the opportunity to interview guys, several guys that have worked with you under you, uh, such as guys from like the Sioux War Party. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, what was his name? Is Alexander Santos was his name? I'm trying to think of his, not White Cloud, but the other guy, Dancing Wolf, Dancing or whatever. Wolf. Yeah, Dancing Wolf. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have any memories of him? Oh, of working course. With him? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he was a tremendous guy. I thought it was an amazing conversation that I had with the guy. Not really. I mean knowing much of his career outside of working for you guys. He did the best Tommy Savoldi impression that I have ever heard. <laughs> there you go. You're going to be there at three o'clock. I can't even do it, but, but <laughs> he had Tommy spot on and, uh, you know, he'd have us all laughing all the time with, with, with Tommy's uh, unique <laughs> approach. <laughs> yeah. It's it, look, we, we had a, we had a unique crew. I mean, Everybody respected everybody. Uh, the, look, the, no one that worked for us ever left with a pocket full of money. Mm -hmm. it, it, it just wasn't there. Right. But everybody knew what they were getting before they got there. They got paid most of the times before the matches even started. And, and everybody respected that because there was no baloney. There was no bullshit. It was just, this is the way it is. You take it or leave it. I mean, when you got superstars like Bob Backlund coming to you and, and you know, uh, Bob Backlund, very, very close with my dad, very close with my dad. But I'll tell you, somebody who was probably the closest with my dad was probably Vince Jr. Really? Uh, yeah. Vince Jr. and my dad traveled together when my when when Vince just got involved, we basically got involved at the same time. And when when Vince just came in, he was living in Boston and my dad would have to keep going over to his apartment and giving him money because uh, he was broke. And uh, finally, when he got into the business, the father put him with my dad and told him, you're going to go with Angelo. You're going to run some New England towns. He's going to do and. 
he gave uh, my dad had bought the territory of Maine and Vince asked him if he would mind if he gave Bangor to Vinny. So my dad and Vinny split Maine and the in-between town was Augusta and Augusta Civic Center. Whenever that ran, they would both run it together. They were partners in Augusta Civic Center. But my dad basically had the rest of, of Maine. I think Vinny had Presque Isle and way up in the, in, in the woods there. But uh, he worked together with my dad for years. And probably when my father passed away, the most rememberable phone call that I received and we received from all over the world was from Vinny. And uh, he called me up and he said he had just done the, uh, the announcement on TV that my dad had passed away. He announced it on, I think, Monday Night Raw or something, one mm-hmm. of the programs. And he started crying. And uh, we talked for maybe 20 minutes and I still stay in touch with him. I still speak with him. We eat, we, we really don't talk that much. We text a lot. Yeah. But I still stay in touch with him. And I will never forget that day because it really showed how much he really cared for him. Yeah. Um, I just want to bring this up randomly. Uh, so what do you guys think now that Vinny's been making the news a lot lately? And uh, what do you think of the... Uh... I guess the merger with uh, Endeavor for uh, with WWE as of, do you think that was, you know, something that was coming the the sale eventually? I, you know, as far as the sale, uh, I guess it's, it's great for the stockholders. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, there can never be a WWE without a McMahon. I mean, uh, my father, when he started working in this business, he started with Vince's dad, and they worked for Vince's, for for Vinny's dad's grandfather, mm-hmm. Jess McMahon. Right. They worked for Vinny, uh, Vincent's dad, and my dad worked for Jess McMahon, and that's how my dad got into the business, and it, it went from there. So to me. There can't be a, w, a WWE, WWF, whatever you want to call it. There just can't be. I, I just don't see it being like it is. Yeah. I think it'll change too much, and I think the people will, will, won't accept it. Well, I mean, it remains to be seen, really. I think I agree that there's probably months down the road that anything is, like, really going to happen, but we'll, we'll you know. I don't think it's, I think there's going to be too many crossovers between that and probably going to try to uh, corner both markets, but seeing that they're going to be related to the UFC and, and stuff like that. Yeah. When, 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 when you start mixing that up and they've tried that before and it didn't yeah. work. I mean, yeah. it's been tried and, and, uh, but you know, for the stockholders, I think it's, it's fantastic, you know? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, I want to know the, uh, let's see here. 
Oh, I want to know how did you guys come up with the the Undertaker's gimmick? If you remember the the tag team, the Undertaker's, I worked for you guys. Yes. And what, yes. Uh, Sal and uh, I can't think of the other one's name. It's not Vinny. No. No. What the hell's the other guy's name? Oh, there was Val. Uh, Val. Who? Uh, Val. Val and yep. and Vinny. Okay. Was it Val and Vinny? Vinny and Val. Okay. I don't. I'm sorry, I don't. You, you know, they were a little before. They were a little before my. Somewhere, in the library, there was footage that we had went to a cemetery in Lewiston, Maine, and it was it was an open plot, and we were getting them coming out of the out of the open plot. <laughs> And then came the state police and everything else. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and it took us. We all had to go to the courthouse. And <laughs> oh my! But we have them coming out of the grave. We, and that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> look, they, 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 the kids were honest. They they came. To, I forget which one came to me and said, "Look, I don't want to tell my brother, but we got this deal." And we can make some money for it, and I just wish them the best. You know, it was it was a great move for them. And uh, the the only thing is, uh, I think they got jerked around a little bit with the wrestling part of it, where they were promised more and didn't get it. You know, uh, as a tag team, they were going to be more highlighted with the the WWF at the time. And uh, it didn't work out for them. Right. Um, what do you remember about Paul E. coming in and then his abrupt uh, departure, I guess you could say? Well, Paul E., I, I've always had a relationship with Paul E. You know, he's always been okay with me. And he had called and asked if he could come to Cutcher's. And he, we were having a Noki there at that time. That was the show we were having a Noki. Wow. And um, I don't know what happened in the dressing room and with everything going on, it was not even important to me, but uh, something happened between him and Tony Atlas. And, and I don't know what it was. And uh, Tony was going to kill him, you know, and, and uh, he just left. Okay. You know, and that was uh, the end of it. But, uh, never heard anything more from from him on it or or Tony, so I really don't know the total details. I think Howard Rapp, who was my partner, he he would he would know more because he was the one refereeing, I think, in the back. But uh, something happened where Tony was going to leave or Paulie, and we got rid of Paulie because we couldn't afford to lose Tony. Right. Well, that's what I wanted. I was going to ask uh, about Tony. He became a pretty much a mainstay in the head of the the, uh, the face of the company, I guess you could say, for a long time. He was your champion for, and then he, you know, and then he had that uh, amazing heel turn. I thought, um, yeah, because you never got to see Tony Atlas as a heel. I thought it was amazing. So, uh, and he was teaming with your your brother Joe, I believe. Uh, yes, uh, at at one point. So, um, how did that all come about, and how did you decide that that he was going to basically be that face for you guys? Well, let me give you some history with Tony because I go way back with Tony. Uh, Tony, uh, uh, we are we're with the WWF, and I get an opportunity to 
um, go over to uh, Saudi Arabia, or actually was the Saudi was Bahrain and Mascat Oman. And uh, I got permission from Vince and he gave me Tony. He gave me Tanaka and Fuji. And I mean, we had a great crew and uh, nobody wanted to go there. Everybody was afraid to go there. But uh, we we got there and um, they treated us like royalty. I mean, we were treated like royalty. And so uh, we take Tony over. Now, Tony, uh, at this point, he is, this is like a week after he body slams Hulk Hogan. I mean, he was the first guy to take Hogan off his feet and body slam them in Baltimore. So there's all the publicity. And then I think Vince shot some angle at TV where Tony got hurt and off he comes with us to, to Saudi Arabia. In the meantime, uh, he was uh, just getting ready to get married. And uh, about a month or two before we go, he buys a home in Glendale, California. Beautiful, beautiful home. And uh, he puts it in his wife and his future mother-in-law's name. And so we go to Saudi and we get back off the plane and he invites me, Tanaka, Fuji, all to his house. And we go there and there's state police there not allowing him on the property because the mother-in-law owns it. <laughs> and he lost the house. He lost everything. Wow. Uh, so... Uh, Tony decides the best thing for him to do is to get out of the country for a while. And somebody made him an offer in uh, South Africa. So he flies over to South Africa and uh, the promoter don't pay him. He beats up the promoter. They pull his passport. He's stuck in South Africa. They won't let him out of South Africa. We have to get a congressman by the name of Dean Gallo from New Jersey to get him on a special convoy plane to get him back to the United States. So so Tony gets here. Now, Tony owes us a lot at this point, <laughs> friendship-wise. And uh, when Vince told him he was going to send him to um, Charlotte, I believe, and Tony really didn't want to go, and he asked Vince if he could just come with us for a while. And Vince Sr. said, yeah, you know, go with them. And he he became, really became a major part of our company and is still Absolutely. a very, very close friend. I was watching stuff earlier today before this, that uh, stuff from 1995, and he was still a very important part of that company at that time. He was teaming oh, with yeah. the, the Putskis against... Yep. Uh, I think it was the Border Patrol and Greg Valentine. Yep. I think that was at, uh, Brian, if I'm not mistaken, that was Augusta Civic Center that that match took place. Brian? In the, in the uh, we, oh, oh, we, part of you there, Brian? I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Looks I'm like here. Okay. There you go. But I was saying oh. the, the match with Putsky <clears throat> and them, that wasn't at Augusta Civic Center? Yes, yes, okay. it was. That was a that was a huge um, that that was yeah. a big thing where you know that that feud between uh, Atlas and and the Putskis was that was major. 
Yeah. yeah. Years later, of course, in the in the mid uh, mid nineties, uh, we shot the angle where Mr. USA became Mr. USA again. I yeah. to this day I still hear about you know how how did Mr. USA pull off being the bad. That I, uh, well, you know, you know, he, we, it took a lot to convince Stone. He's a bad guy, but he uh, keeps going in and out. Sorry, yeah. I keep you're good. Okay. You're good. Yeah. It took a lot to convince Tony, you were saying, Mario? Yeah. It took a lot to convince Tony that he was going to, uh, become a heel. Yeah. Uh, he just didn't, didn't, I mean, he didn't think anybody I, would believe it. He he thought, you know, he thought, no, I'm Mr. USA. Who's going to believe that Mr. USA likes to beat up the good guys? And he pulled it me, up, man. And, and he loved it. Once he got into yeah, it, he loved, he loved it. being yeah. the heel. He didn't want to come back. Right. <laughs> let, me I thought, how, let me tell you how we got him to 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 switch. Sure. We're, we're in Bangor Auditorium. And uh, he's going to wrestle... Bob Backlund, and uh, no, he's going to wrestle uh, Schultz, and Backlund's going to come in, and we're going to shoot an angle, and from that, Tony's going to turn against Bob Backlund. So we tell him what's going to happen, and that, uh, but Schultz has got to go over in order for this to to be work out right. And Tony says, I'm not losing to Schultz. And my cousin Tommy, who on his tallest day is five foot one, <laughs> talking up to looking up and talking to Tony Atlas, he just said, You wait here an effing minute. You wait here. And he went and he found the milk crate. And he puts the milk crate down and he gets up. Now he's looking at Tony in the face and he's pointing his finger at him, going, you will do what we tell you to do. <laughs> and Tony broke out laughing. And he says, I love you, Tommy. <laughs> and he grabbed him and said, I'll do it. <laughs> and that's how we it became. Because I don't think anybody else could have convinced him. That's hilarious. Uh, uh, yeah, Tony, I got a chance to see Tony about a year ago. Maybe a little bit longer than that. Uh he is still friends with Mario Mancini, who oh, I am yeah. friends, who I'm friends with, and he Mario, oh, he's a great guy. He owns a, sh a school here in Connecticut, and they run shows, you know, for the student sh student showcases, basically. And Tony came in for a signing and stuff like that, and he was the most friendliest guy that you could uh, possibly meet. He's a very yeah. friendly guy, yeah. always yeah. so soft spoken and just uh, really easy to get along with. Yeah. Well, you he know, was, I just talked to the uh, I. I what is that? International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, Seth Turner. I'm on yep. the board. I'm on the board there. And Seth has agreed to take him in come this next uh, International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Uh, he he deserves it. He belongs there. He's a great guy. Uh, been my friend from the first day he came into the territory. Uh, I just, I, I love him to death and we stay in touch and he's just a great man. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask how the uh, merger with world-class came about and Kevin Von Erich and, and such. Well, my dad, again, my dad was always friends with Fritz 
Mm-hmm. Von Erich and 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 uh, who was the promoter in uh, Houston? Uh, Paul Bosch. Paul Bosch. Yep. That that whole area, and uh, my dad had had said, "Why don't you, why don't you give Kevin a call?" Because Kevin was the only one left there at the time, and. Uh, see if you guys could work something out together i spoke with kevin and he came he came here and we agreed to do some stuff together and that was it it was a very simple uh one phone call and actually i flew to to dallas and uh we were supposed to go over to the library the next day <coughs> carry and that was the night Kerry shot himself. We were supposed to go that next morning, me, Kevin, and Kerry over to the library, and that was it. Wow. Uh, that was an that was a tremendous loss to the world of wrestling. I mean, he, uh, I guess he had spiraled downward pretty bad at that point, and it's kind of very sad loss. Well, you know, you, you know what was confusion about confusing about that loss. He had just left New York. He just signed yeah. a deal with Vince. I mean, Vince was going to do. I mean, they're, they're, he was just an amazing talent. Yeah, and yeah. he had agreed to give everything to Kerry and let Kerry run that that part of it, and that's why we were going to meet the next day. And he got home. From what I understand, and probably all hearsay, is that uh, he gave. The money he got from Vince, he got in advance, and he gave the money from Vince to his wife, and got in the truck and went in the woods, and that was it. Uh, do you remember Lance coming in at all, Lance Von Eric? Very. He came in one show, I believe. Okay. I believe he came in one show. Okay. Uh, let's see where else we can go. Um, do you mind me asking Brian if a couple questions? Brian, how did you get involved in, in the world of wrestling and ICW? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was uh, like a lot of people. Uh, one Saturday morning, I was watching Sports Channel America. I had been married for just a couple of months, maybe even six weeks. What maybe it wasn't even two right. months. So the ad came on. Oh, we're looking for wrestlers and referees and managers and valets or announcers. Um, so give us a call. So I talked to my wife about it, and she looked at me like I had 10 heads, but that's okay. I, she supported it. So so I called the office, and the nice lady who answered the phone um, directed me to Tommy Savoldi. She gave me Tommy Savoldi's number and I talked to Tom and and he said, well, we can't promise you anything, but come on up. We're doing a TV taping in Laconia, New Hampshire on the 18th of October. I said, okay. <clears throat> so we uh, piled into the car and, and off we went and I stood around for what seemed to be hours and hours and i watched all these guys uh do their promos uh tommy uh tommy dreamer and taz and i just i was marveling at the production of it all and then they had me do a couple of uh on camera you know wraparounds and and that sort of thing is like a like a test uh like like a like a audition um and then that was that and they said well if you want to hang around and watch the show feel free so 
great. This is great. I am, I am like, I'm in my glory at this, at this time. So uh, Mario comes along and he says, uh, do you want to announce the show? The ring announcer didn't show up. And I said, sure. So I announced the show and the rest, as they say, uh, is history. Yeah. Uh, Mario came along at the at the end of the show and he said, you know, give give Tommy your number and we'll be in touch. That's so pretty amazing. We are 32 years later, right, Mario? Yep. <laughs> he's still working with him. Still, he's the only guy who can bring me out of retirement. <laughs> well, I see that you've done work with another organization out of Massachusetts. Uh, was it Atlantic Pro Wrestling or Atlantic yep. Championship? Yep. One year with Atlantic Pro Wrestling, um, a, a, a guy I had worked one summer with, uh, Big Woody, uh, who's since passed away. Uh, Woody was um, doing the, uh, he was the booker at the time, and and he reached out and he said, "Do you want to come in and check out a show? And maybe you want to work it." So I checked out the show. I decided to join. Um, I committed to a year. Um, I had a great time. That was in 2016. Right. Uh, they had um, they had some great shows. They used to run in a fire hall in a little town called Newbury, Massachusetts. It's about 25 minutes from where I live. It was it was great because it was once a month. I could drive there, do what I had to do, and be home in the same night. Uh, so I had a lot of fun. Um, but then you know there were some some changes, and and honestly, I didn't care too much for for what the changes were coming to be. And I had committed to a year and I had done the year. So then I just quietly, quietly bowed out. And that's, that's when I thought I had officially retired, retired from the business. <laughs> Still I got from Mario. <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen you. I've seen some pictures pop up, uh, re recent pictures, I should say, you know, of the of you guys on the uh the IWCCW board on um, Facebook every now and again. So uh, I'm just like, damn, that's pretty cool, man, that you keep getting sucked in. Wrestling is one of those things you, you can never fully leave. You, you know? never, you know, once you're in, you can never get out. You know, um, I, I have yeah. no complaints and no regrets. Uh, I would do anything for this man. So don't ask Tracy. You know. that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my wife has been through as much as I have in this business. <laughs> She's a good sport, though. She's a good sport. I do some work with local indies here in Connecticut, and that you know, one of them being Mario Mancini's organization. You know, I do. You know, I'll do play by play and and camera work sometimes. And every time I try to, the wives don't necessarily understand. You know what I mean? When you got to be somewhere, you know, they, they 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 they're supportive and they go along with it, right? But yeah, for the most part. Yeah, it's like, oh man, I can't believe you're gonna be at this, not gonna be at this function because you're gonna be at a wrestling show. Right. Well, you know. <laughs> well it, was I, a little, it was a little different for for Brian because we were traveling Florida. Uh, I mean, you name it, we were everywhere. going overseas, and we were everywhere. So. I'd, I'd bring the family. I'd bring the whole family you know, on, on occasion. And they were just, they were just babies, you know, and they didn't really understand or know what was going on either, but uh, always, um, a lot of fun. always a lot of fun. My seven-year-old is my sidekick. He will be at every show with me just about, uh, yeah. nice. including when I do have to travel. My wife, uh, I try to get her to go to events and she's a no-go. However, uh, she will be traveling with me to the New England Hall of Fame this year, or the New England uh, Fan Fest this year. So, uh, that I'm pretty excited about. So she's gonna—I don't know. I think she's in for a shock. <laughs> so as to what's gonna happen. 
So. I'm married 58 years, and I yeah. still have to fight to get my wife to go to a wrestling event. <laughs> well, even, even your mom, right? She used yeah, to tell my you mom. My going. mom never I'm not went. Going. Yeah. yeah, my mom never went. Wow, that's funny. Uh, I think she went to two events with me entirely. One was a local indie show, and then one was because her son, we're a blended family, was huge uh, WWE fan at the time when I when I first met her and started dating her. So I took him to an event. And that was like the very first show she'd ever been to. She's like, "This is just is not for me." It's kind of a thing. So. Yeah. We had my uh, we we had my son on one of the broadcasts of NWA on Fire. Uh, he was, uh, I think, he was sixteen or seventeen years old, and we, oh, let's, you know, let's have some fun with this match, and let's put him on. Yeah. And surprisingly, he did really well. Yeah, he for did very. Didn't well. really follow it. Yeah, <laughs> kept up, but uh, you know, none of none of the none of the children really uh, followed in yeah. steps. But that's okay. They're probably better off, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my sixteen-year-old, he lives in Ohio. He is more interested in it than me, so he'll always, you know, uh, send me text messages and and and. Uh, call me up asking me about what's going on over here because uh that's the first thing he wants to do when he comes to visit for he visits for two three months at a time out of the year and he uh is very excited to to go to shows you know his mom will not let him bring him to shows out there so you know it's fun so yeah the only thing we got going in wrestling now is my grandson who is 15 yeah. Was a freshman and uh, just was selected number one at 144 pounds in the state of New Jersey. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. and uh, we're looking to see him take my brother Joe's in my my dad's place. <laughs> yeah, that that's lineage, awesome, right? That lineage. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's awesome. That's actually how I first met uh, Bob Backlund. Uh, I wrestled in school and he was the coach of an opposing team out here in uh, of the Rocky Hill team. And I just look across the, the mat and I said, Oh my God, there's Bob Backlund. So this was wow. right before his, um, his return to the WWF in the what, early nineties, mid nineties, something yep, like that. Yep, yep, so then yep. I, you know, uh, we've gotten to speak to each other many, many times over the years, but now I believe that uh, I think last year he just moved to Florida. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he moved. Yeah. So, he moved. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was another close friend. I mean, he, he attended the funeral. He spent two days here, and uh, wow. him and my dad were like like glue. He uh, when he came here, uh, it was a funny situation because we were we were moving out of the Bruno era area, and into Vince wanted to come in with a a whole new look, and uh, Vince selected. Uh, Bob, because of his collegiate background, and and he and and he meant something. I mean, his name meant something, and a lot of people were unhappy. Uh, Strongbow and a lot of the guys who thought that they should have a a shot at that at that uh, position, right? And Vince just never bent. He said, "No, I'm going with Backlund," and uh, when. When Bob came in, he was not a favorite within the dressing room because, you know, here's a newcomer coming in and going right to the top, you know, and these guys like Strongbow and 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 they've worked all these years to to try to make a name for themselves. Right. And they're being cited, you know. And uh, so he he had a rough time and um uh, the good thing that Bob had going for him was 
when when I I found Tito uh, Santana and Ted DiBiase in Amarillo, Texas, when Vince sent me to Amarillo, and I took them back here. And when I took them back here, uh, Vince told me no, he didn't need any talent. And I said, this is Vince Senior now. Right. And I said, Vince, if I pay for their airfare. Would you just look at them, put them on TV, just look at them. If you don't like them, I'll send them back home and that's the end of it. But I knew these two guys had, well, actually there was three, but he definitely refused the third. That was Manny Fernandez. I really liked Manny. Manny was, to me, was a great talent. So uh, when when I took them to, uh, to New York, uh, I asked two people, I said, can Tito work with, well, I might have them backwards, but can one of them work with Johnny Rods and the other one work with Jose Estrada? Mm -hmm. Because those two guys could make you look like a million dollars or make you look like a piece of garbage. Right. Right. And uh, Vince, standing by the curtains, Vince used to have a handful of quarters all the time and just keep shuffling them up and down. And uh, he turned to me and he said, go see Phil Zacco, get your airplane money. <laughs> and, and he kept them both. And uh, the, the, that was that was big. Well, they turned out to be major players and for the WWF for many years. Oh, those two geez, gentlemen. Yeah. 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 Well, Tito, Tito only lives yeah. like Tito lives like five miles from me. I okay. introduced him to his wife and she at the time when I was. Working for the WWE, I also own record shops. Really? And his wife was one of my employees, and I introduced him to his wife, and his wife, uh, his girlfriend at the time, and my wife and myself, we all went out for dinner, and the rest is history. That's um, that's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to know, there's a question I do have about Joe, so... Uh, the rumor is that Ole Anderson was looking into bringing him into WCW in 1990. And was there a reason that this never happened or was this just a myth or to your knowledge? To, to my brother, Joe? Yeah. No, but uh, he, he decided to go with Bill Watts. Okay. Instead of Ole Anderson. Uh, Ole Anderson came to Philippines with us. We were working with Ole and uh, we did shows in Philippines. We were there, actually, when Aquino got shot at the airport, we were there. And Please. they held us there for like four days. We couldn't leave the country. We were we were stuck in the country. But um, my, my, my brother was on that tour, too. And uh, when he got done, he says to me that he would rather go with Oli because Oli had uh, Ted DiBiase. He had uh, uh, Manny Fernandez. All those guys were there. And Ole was just taking the territory from Leroy McGurk in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he was merging with Tulsa. So it was becoming a gigantic territory. You mean uh, so, Watts? Bill Watts. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Watts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was merging it with, with Oklahoma. And right. and uh, 
we were working more with Bill Watts than we were with 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 Oli. Okay. And uh, we knew that we could get my brother to come home once in a while and and work our territory at the same time. Did the uh, the the sale from of Watts territory to WCW or Crockett uh, affect his his work over there? I mean, did he? No. There was no option for him to go over there, like after the sale or anything like that. No, actually, actually, at that point when that when that when that merger took place, just before that, my brother made a deal with uh, Grams in in Florida. Okay. And he was going to Florida and with Bill Watts' blessing because they were all, keep keep in mind, we were all working together. Right. We were all taking talent from each other. I mean, that's why being the orphan of the group, we were the most fortunate because when somebody had somebody like, okay, we're going to send him to Bill Watts in June. So they got him in April. So they couldn't find a place for him from april to june they'd call us up and say hey do you want uh black jack mulligan <laughs> you got you yeah. can have him for seven weeks you know and we would take black jack mulligan so i'm assuming that uh you were talking about the florida territory that is that when kevin sullivan and uh mark lewin came in yeah, uh we had, and worked we, for you yeah kevin sullivan mark lewin gordon Soley, the whole crew yeah. We, we got the whole crew. Uh, uh, it all started with uh, Howard Rapp, uh, who owns Rapp Enterprises. Uh, he made a deal for um, uh, to do uh, a show with Elizabeth Taylor, for Elizabeth Taylor, and it was for AIDS. Okay. And we were doing it on some island in in uh, this this island in Florida, right off right off the main strip of Florida, and uh, we were going to do the show for them. And Howard asked me if there was any way I could get some talent from uh, from Florida, so we didn't have to fly everybody there. Right. And so we got Kevin Sullivan, we got Blackjack Mulligan. Um, we got a whole bunch of guys and, uh, a funny story that night, th that show, you had to go across a drawbridge to get to the Island where the ring was set up on. And, uh, a, a storm came through and the bridge was swinging and nobody wanted to cross <laughs> to get to the Island. <laughs> and guys, you had got guys like black Jack Mulligan on all fours crawling across <laughs> the bridge to get to the ring. I mean, it was, it was comical, but, but, uh, but yeah, it was, we had an open, we had an open book with almost every promoter. I mean, if we got in trouble, we could go to Canada for somebody close or, right. or, you know, uh, we were going everywhere. I know Austin Idol was a very important part of ICW as well at yes. one point. So, yes, you care to elaborate on him coming in and and uh, yeah, getting a good that friend push? of mine, a good friend of mine, helped me get Austin Idol, Les Thatcher, right? All right, and uh, Les had had told us about Austin, and uh, of course, Austin was also very important 
with the Papos. Right. And so that was a major connection there. And uh, he was he was he was with us for quite a while, Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Great uh, talent. Uh, great, great talent. He's still involved today. He's out there and uh, working the NWA as a as a manager currently. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. He's quite entertaining to me. He's probably yes, the best part of that TV show uh, uh, currently. So that's saying about the NWA currently. How did the uh, the whole NWA on fire come about? Uh, we were approached uh, a few times to join the NWA, and, and we kind of wanted to stay away from joining any solid organization. We wanted right. to be our own organization. Right. But uh, with with this, the new group that went in there uh, and Sheldon Goldberg, who I think is one of the greatest people in, in the world. Great guy. Uh, yeah. You know, I had, I had drove down to Boston a few times and spoke because we were up in Portland. I drove down to Boston a few times and talked to him about the NWA and he kind of convinced me that it's new group and everything in there. And, and so, uh, we got involved in, and uh, we did most of the filming and everything for the NWA. And, uh, but it just didn't turn out to be, it didn't turn out to be, there, there was too much infighting on who owned what, who was what. Yeah. We just didn't want to be a part of that. We, we yeah. wanted to be our own. We were better off being our own. Um, let's see, what do you, you guys gave birth, well, I wouldn't say gave birth, but you guys had some very influential, uh, wrestlers, guys that would end up going on to be huge in the business, guys like Tom Brandy, Tony Rumble, uh, Tommy Dreamer, uh, what was that like with, you know, you guys basically gave a lot of these guys their first chance, Mike Kalua, stuff like that, so what was that all, like, what was that like? Well, you know, the one thing, and every name you mentioned, and one of the dearest and probably the biggest loss to me was Tony Rumble. Mm -hmm. uh, but every single one of them today, to, I went to one of Tommy Ferraro's show the other, Bob guess a few months ago and I walked in and next thing I know, I got these two gaping arms holding me and squeezing the shit out of me. And it's <laughs> Tommy dreamer, you yeah. know, uh, these guys are friends for life. Uh, Surfer Ray Odyssey. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Ripley. Uh, you just go down the line. Those guys are just phenomenal. They yeah. were they were not just talent. They were friends. It was it was a different way. You know, we we didn't have the luxuries that they have today. You know, we didn't fly around. We drove around. Right. right. You know, yep. and we didn't stay at the, at the Hilton's and the Marriott's. We stayed at the Motel 6 with four guys in a room. <laughs> I remember staying at a hotel one time. I, we were way, way up in Maine. I mean, where there is a, they don't name the towns. They just, you've entered zone 13. And we, we stopped at this hotel and you had to check in outside you remember this it was yes, like march 5th or march 6th it yes, was early march Tommy and, found that oh my god now. it was like 20 below zero and you're standing outside to check into the hotel. <laughs> crazy, <That's> crazy. <laughs> but, but it was, it, you know it was a different thing in those days you know like even in in my early days with the wwwf um we would drive to 
our normal thing was Tuesdays was Portland, Maine. Wednesdays was Bangor, Maine. Sometimes we had to do TV in Allentown on Thursdays. We would drive from Bangor, Maine <coughs> to Allentown, Pennsylvania, and be there by 11 o'clock to do promos. Jeez. And it would be, and Vinny was in the car with us many a times. And it would be four guys in the car, probably two or three bottles of wine, two or three six packs, and a ton of bologna and loaves <laughs> of bread. And that was the trip. And, and that's how we got there. And we'd be following, there would be like three cars. Behind us would be Lou Albano and Tony Altamore and Gorilla Monsoon. And we would just follow each other because we all wanted to make sure we got there. And everybody cared for each other. Pre-GPS days, you had uh, yeah, guys actually had to use a map and, and, oh, yeah. and such, you know. So it wasn't as easy to find pay the phones, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Pay phones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did you, Mario, get involved in the actual wrestling? I know you refereed in the WWF, actually. the uh, One of the pictures that I found was you raising uh, Bruno Sammartino's hand in ring. Right. That, as that a referee. Napolitano took that picture. Yeah. Uh, what had happened, I owned record shops. I owned record shops. I had uh, several of them. I owned uh, two in New Jersey. I owned one in Florida and one in Maine. I, and that was my business records, records okay. and tapes. And uh, Sam Goodies, who was a uh, major record distributor, I, I had the rights to go into a, uh, a major mall in uh in new jersey uh, and uh the owner of the mall whose son was a friend of mine his son says we're going to sign a contract for you to come into this mall but we're going to have you have exclusive rights to all record and tape sales so i was the very first person to sign the the lease well, in comes Sears and all the different people. They all sign leases, but they find out they can't sell records. And at that time, Sears sold records. J.C. Penney sold records. Everybody sold records and tapes. Mm -hmm. But Sam Goodies tried to get in and couldn't get in because I had exclusivity. <clears throat> so we sold the lease. But when selling the lease, I knew if I sold the lease to them that my stores in New Jersey would be put out of business because they would kill me yeah so i made a deal that they had to buy everything and they bought florida they bought everything so with that my my dad says come with me and i went with him and we went to north Attleboro, mass and uh it's a snowstorm and uh there used to be uh Two old guys, Coogie McFarland. Oh, where'd he go? <laughs> it is battery died. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wonder if his battery died. Nope. Oh, oh there he is. Oh, there, there, he is. is. <laughs> there, there used to be two old guys, Coogie McFarland and Pinky. And Pinky was the referee. Well, Pinky wasn't <laughs> feeling good that night. So. Uh -huh. My father said, put his shirt on and go in the ring. I said, what do I do? He said, just walk around the ring. 
And I'm and my very first match is Joe Turco and Baron Cicluna. Okay. Now, if you want to get into a match where you know you're gonna, they're gonna do everything they can to screw you up. Those two guys, or what do you call? And Joe Turco's walking in, and and Coogan McFarlane's the announcer, and he's going Joe Turco from Catania, Italy, and. Joe Turco was going, I'm not from Catania, you stupid son of a bitch. And I'm in the ring and I'm going, what is going on here? Right. <laughs> and I'm looking for my dad. What do I do? What do I do? And Baron Cicluna, they go down and Baron Cicluna grabs me and pulls me in. He goes, when I say count, count. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my, my very first night in, in Referee, but I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it. I I got to uh, referee Madison Square Garden, Philadelphia Spectrum, Boston, Boston, all the big major, major, uh, uh, what do you call? It? But then Vince Senior, uh, at Allentown, Pennsylvania, says to me, "I want you to help me up front because the office was right behind where you sold the tickets." Mm-hmm. And uh, he wanted me to sell the tickets because he needed Phil Zacco, who was his right-hand man, to be in the office with him. So I start selling the tickets. The next thing he's, you know, he says, your father's taking a few days off. Take take charge of it. And I went up to Maine and ran the, uh, ran the shows. And that was it. And when did you leave there? 1981. Okay. Uh, I left. Uh, my dad retired the beginning of '81. I left like in the middle of '81, and uh, that's when we formed the Championship Wrestling, okay, and uh, or International Wrestling actually, and uh, that was with Bruno and Mike Mittman and and. Uh, the three undesirables. <laughs> uh, you guys also had Les Thatcher uh, working with you as well for commentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, we still stay very close on the internet. We we talk at least once a week on the internet. Yeah. And the same with like you know like through my my dad, I got to know the Curtises and and Bruiser Brody's wife. I mean. Uh, Funny story with Bruiser Brody. Brody and Henson come into the territory, and they come into Portland, Maine. It's their first night, and it's a blizzard. <clears throat> and my dad and I are coming back from the expo building. We just got done with the show, and we get out of my dad's car, and my dad sees this van with the lights on in it, and he looks at the plates, and it had Minnesota plates on it, and he goes, is that the boys? He goes, go over and check the vent. So I went over, I knocked on the door. And now if you know if you remember Stan Henson, I mean, yeah. he's scared of shit out of anybody. And his head comes to the window and, you know, oh shit. Right? right? And I see him and Brody in there. And I, I said, what are you guys doing? They're saying, well, we're going to sleep in the van tonight. Well, apparently didn't have, coming into the territory, they didn't have any money. So my dad says, "You get them out of the van. Tell them they got rooms in in the in the hotel." So my dad took care of that, and 
Bruiser Brody. We go to a show that uh, the Von Erics are uh, uh, not the Von Erics. We go to a show in Jersey, and uh, some guy is running it down South Jersey. And we get there, me, my dad, and Tommy, we get to the show. Now, the guy doesn't realize he's renting my ring. That's how he's putting a show on. But we get there, and the only reason we went there, my dad wanted to see Brody. So we get there, and we go walking into the dressing room, and in comes this little short guy, and he goes, you guys get out of this dressing room. You don't belong in this dressing room. And Brody just picked him up by the shirt. <laughs> and he said, you don't talk to Mr. Savoli like that. Do you hear me? You don't talk to him. So we put him down, and he gave us all kinds of garbage and everything. Tommy goes outside politely, and I don't know if anybody remembers Abe Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> Abe Lincoln used to be the ring guy for WWE and then became the ring guy for me. My cousin Tommy goes up to Abe Lincoln. Place is sold out. He says, take the ring down. <laughs> this is before the show starts. So here the people are sitting in the bleachers. They see <clears throat> the guy's up there undoing the rope, <laughs> bundling them up. The guy comes running out, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Tommy goes, you talk to my uncle like that? You think you're <laughs> going to use his ring? You're out of your mind. But my dad, my dad made us put it back. <laughs> I, um, I just watched a, a, a Bruiser Brody match, him coming into the territory where he basically uh, killed tony rumble in a, in a yeah. match it was it, tony looked very young at the time uh yeah. this must have been really early on in his career that was tony's idea yeah that was also tony's i believe that was tony's first match yes okay I'm not mistaken yeah. yeah yeah tony tony says don't put nobody in there don't sacrifice nobody sacrifice me and that's what he wanted yeah uh i know you were uh side by side by him Brian, right from for many years. I know you guys oh, hosted yeah, the program together years. from yeah. the studios yeah. and and yeah. and such. And um, I think you did play by play with him, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I did, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what was it like? I've I've interviewed uh, Jason Rumble at one point, yeah. and he had so many great things to say about Tony. And you know, what was it like working with Tony? So, so we both Massachusetts guys. I yeah. would go down on the days we were doing TV studio shots. I would go down pick Tony up, drive up to Maine, do what we had to do, drive home. I probably learned more about the business from Tony in those rides from Revere to Lewiston and back again uh, than at any other time in the business, uh, save for, for the things that, that Mario and, and Tommy uh, taught me over the years. He was He just had... He was an idea guy. He was he was a, a student of the game, I guess you could say. Right. Uh, yeah. Nobody I know more knowledgeable and more into what he was doing than Tony. Um, the last conversation I had with Tony, he actually uh, he was going to come back to work with us. If you recall, Mario, we were yep. uh, we yep. were doing our we, we were doing TVs back in in Portland and. Um, he was going to come in and I, and I talked to him. 
about I don't know three or four days before he passed away and was really excited to get to get back into it again and to be working together again and I was really looking forward to working with him and then you know we we lost him at, at way too young I think he was um, 43 years old it was a something like huge that, yeah. huge shock um, great guy uh, great promoter so talented entertaining on the mic entertaining. Uh, on camera, just um, a, a really, really great guy that uh, that I yeah, uh, we lost too happy early. I got to wait to yeah. him. Really happy I, I got a chance to meet him and work with him. He actually was uh, directing the uh, promos the the day that I started. Um, okay. So in an in in a roundabout sort of way, <clears throat> he also got me my start in the business. Yeah, I used to hate to say anything to him. Because whenever I would say something to him, he would get a pad and write and write yeah. and write. <laughs> and yeah. next morning, I mean, I mean, next morning, he would, well, I got eight pages. Which one do you like? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, very, uh, very disciplined when it came to um, to putting the shows together. Oh, well. he just, yeah. Everything was He had perfect. it all laid out weeks in yep. advance. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing! That's amazing. Yeah. Did you guys uh, get to witness him? You know, with the uh, the Century Wrestling Alliance and uh, the NWA New England at all? I know at one point time they became kind of like the the bigger the big indie, I guess, in the area in the Northeast. Uh, I saw a couple. I I never attended a show live. I saw a couple mm -hmm. of 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 the shows. Um, again, very well put together. Had a good mind for what looked good on television as well, right? And how to how to set up television which uh i would say that he learned from you mario and 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 brought it to the level that he wanted it to be in his own promotion um but yeah a, a lot of guys went he had a lot of a lot of great talent go through that uh that organization as and well. he would call an ex if he could use somebody he was i mean we stayed in contact all the while when we went our own ways and and one of the greatest phone calls i got but it was the sad one at the end was when he had called me up and said you think you could take an old guy back and i said tony this door is open at all times for you and uh we were looking forward to that yeah wow i was looking forward to that I mean, who knows what could have happened? I mean, the guy had an amazing knowledge for the business of professional wrestling. A lot yeah. of the stuff that he did was truly amazing. You know what I mean? And he, he had a, um, from what I, from what I understand, a knack for find utilizing local talent and making them shine. You know what I mean? Yeah, he knew how to. He he knew how to get somebody across. Yeah. Yep. He, he 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 knew how to make somebody who who. The person who didn't know what he was doing, he could show him what to do. And right. that was important. Yeah. The Undertakers yeah. were here with these two gigantic guys that nobody ever wanted to use. And look yeah. what he did with them. Uh, he, he did that with several people. I believe he was peered. Was he peered with Tony Atlas at one point? Yeah. Call me crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. So, sorry, my memory is a little fuzzy. I'm getting yeah. older. You might so. be crazy, yeah. but not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trying to remember, like, put specifics off the top of my head. Yep. So yep. a lot of times I have to go back and watch video to to remember. So, yeah, yeah, the guy was just amazing. As was Atlas, and 
you guys had an amazing roster throughout the amazing, uh, the years. I, I think, I believe that I just watched a match with, uh, Rick Martel being on mm -hmm. your show. I believe yep. working with, yep. with Joe, yep. at, I, I think yep. so. Uh, and you guys build the mot work for you guys as crash the Terminator. I saw him, I believe he wrestled, uh, the clown, whatever it was, which yeah. I believe is Gino Caruso, correct? Gino Caruso. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, no, no, actually, uh, I think that might've been, that might have been um, Venezuela. That footage might have been from Venezuela. Okay. And that was that was the original doink, and and that was um, wasn't the original doink. It was Brooklyn Brawler. Oh, Steve Lombardi. Yep, Steve Lombardi. Okay. It was Steve Lombardi, and it was. I think we had the Bushwhackers on there. We had uh, uh, Jim DeAnvil, Nine Heart. Uh, we, I mean, Rick Martel, Tito, yeah. we had everybody on that show. And that all came from WWE. Yeah. Yeah. Martel was still, I think, working there. I think yeah, they, 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 like I said, we had an open relationship. It was a quiet, open relationship. And that's why, you know, like we've had a few opportunities where maybe we could have taken that one more step. But we looked at it and said, you know, we're doing all right. Why do we want to antagonize the giant? Right. You yep. know, we didn't have to. You know, if if I was doing a show, I would send them. I would say, we're, we're going to do a show in Lyme, Connecticut. And they would send me back. Don't do it because we're going to be in, what do you call, uh, New Haven. <laughs> yep. That <laughs> was know? my that was my arena growing up, New Haven Coliseum. Yeah, I lived so 10 minutes. They would yeah. say, you know, we're going to be in New Haven the 18th, so do it any time after, but don't do it before, you know. Right. And, right. and to get that kind of information was, and today I have a, a working relationship even today with uh, the WWE with the films. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Brian, did you ever have a chance to work elsewhere or no? Like after you decided to leave or I was... So I always yeah. thought maybe WCW or something to that effect at the time. No, no. Uh, I I worked almost exclusively for Mario um, throughout my career. Uh, there was a uh, there was a <clears throat> point where I worked for Knuckles Nelson's promotion for uh, okay. one summer and one winter uh, with Mario's blessing, and then with Atlantic Pro Wrestling in 2016. Uh, but otherwise, I uh, I've been with Mario throughout. Great. Great. Uh, so, of course, you guys just launched the app. We're going to go back to that before we wrap it up. And like you said, there's over 5,000 hours of footage. You got South Atlantic. You've got North American Wrestling Association. Uh, there's global footage. There's world some world-class footage. There's some Wild AWA. West. Yeah, Wild, Wild West. West Wrestling. Yep. Wild West. So it's uh, you guys. I know that you guys just lost – or launched, excuse me, the Roku and Fire Stick. Now, I believe that you guys are going to have uh, Android and Apple uh, coming soon and, and possibly a web browser app as well. Yep, yes. that's right. yep. Uh, we've got Apple and Google on board. Uh, there'll be a there'll be a, a website that, uh, that the <clears throat> can be accessed from. Um, the 5,000 hours continues to grow. We've got We've got uh, stuff coming from Dick the Bruiser and uh, the original Sheik. Uh, 
you know, you, you name, you name a territory and you name a star and you're likely going to be able to watch them, uh, on the, uh, on the network. We, we also just acquired some, uh, uh I'm going to call it London type wrestling, uh, where they do rounds, not, uh, not, uh, uh falls. Right. And, uh, we, we just acquired that. And uh, and it's it's interesting because it's got guys like uh, Tito and uh, Teddy DiBiase doing rounds, not uh, you know a whole different type of wrestling. And and yeah. we are merging with a company in in London, and it's going to be uh, a company in London and um, Ireland. We're, yeah. we're, we're merging with with the two companies. Uh, I do want to ask, there is one question that a fan sent in that there was a rumor or that um, uh, that Vic Steamboat had teamed up with Ricky at one point for a show. Is this, uh, it, it, did Ricky come in at all? They were on the same show, but they didn't team up. They didn't team up, but he didn't, they did come in. Okay. Okay. Well, Rick, Rick, Ricky worked for us uh, again at the uh, at, at when when we did the uh, the USA. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, all those shows, we had the New York license, and we had the New Jersey license. So those shows were <clears throat> all mine or all ours, and uh, we did uh, again. We did the. Uh, Raceway and and we did all different parts of New York. The Catskills. We used to be in the Catskills constantly. We were in the Catskills. I mean, we would do two or three shows there a year at Cutcher's. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I want to thank you guys for coming in. I want everybody to go check out the app Roku Fire Stick. Of course, look for the uh, the phone apps coming soon. Uh, Brian, Mario, thank you. Is there anywhere that the if people want to reach out to you guys, they can get in touch with you. Yeah, they can just contact us on our Facebook, <clears throat> the Boldy Library. Same. Right, same. And, and thank, thank you very much, Rick. <clears throat> yeah, thanks. This was great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I really thank you guys because this was something I really wanted to do for a long time. And uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank Probably. you. Take care. And, um, Take you care, too. guys. Bye. Thank you.